your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 255 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And it's an Ottawa Senators game day. The Sens playing at home for the first time in nearly two weeks. Take on the Montreal Canadiens, the stinky Habs. They're one and one against each other this year, but the Habs got their win on Ottawa home ice. So time to rectify that. They need to hop out to an early start against a team that played not even 24 hours ago. The Senators coming off a 48-hour gap without a game. So you might not even remember the last game in this condensed season. It seems like so long ago, Marcus Hogberg left the game injured. We'll tell you who his replacement is. Get into our keys to victory. And, of course, our locked-on player of the game. We've been locked on the Nodak Sens all year. And they got a trophy last night. We'll tell you what that is and how unreal all of them played, specifically a guest of this show. All that and the Belleville Senators were in action where another friend of the show got his first professional point. Stay tuned for all that. And it's a weekend edition, so we've got our Send Central citizen. It's Spencer Blake. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Sunday, February 21st. Pillsy will get to the Penrose Cup and the Nodak Sens, but it's a Senators game day. And whenever they're playing the Montreal Canadiens, you know it's going to be a good one. What are you most looking forward to in tonight's game? Well, I'm looking forward to tonight's game for the number one reason is this is a team that the Senators had really good battles with in those two games. Both of them won goal games like there wasn't any blowout. So this is a game that I'm expecting the Sens to hang tight with and play competitively. Would you say those were the two most complete games that Ottawa's played all year? I would say that's the most complete series. I feel like they've had a couple games sprinkled in where they've played more complete games, but of of a matchup against one team, that was their best uh, performance for sure up against the Habs. Funny enough, it was the game they lost 2-1 to one that they outplayed the Habs, I thought, more. They had 35 shots on goal, whereas the game they won, they only had 22. They won 3-2, but Montreal had 38 shots, and that was a game that Matt Murray announced that he's back with 36 saves. So are you expecting more of the same? Will it be, do you believe, Matt Murray in goal tonight? Or could we see Dax get his NHL season debut? I think it's going to be Matt Murray, but every time I I think I've made a decision on the goalies, DJ Smith seems to zig when I zag. And Dax has already played at the Bell Center this year as well, right? With With Belleville. True, but that's I don't like those uh, those ominous the voodoo with five yeah, goals against. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. The voodoo there doesn't really sit in uh, our favor there, so we'll see how that goes. But I really do think of all the teams in the North Division, the Sens match up against the Habs the best because, like I said, they the Habs don't have that that collection of elite superstar talent like like who who's the best player on the Habs price probably like like up front who would you say is their number one guy 
uh, I mean, Josh Anderson's got nine goals this year. He's probably up there, but I feel like, yeah, you're right. They more spread it out. Like they have three lines who I think could be out there down a goal at the end of the game. Right. Yep. It's, it's pretty interesting how, how they've shifted everyone around. Like you can make an argument. It's Thomas Tatar as their most uh, productive player. Yeah. Or th- look at a guy like Toffoli. Right. And, and those guys like just in a, in a vacuum, like on their own, if you saw them as free agents, like, those aren't really eyebrow raising guys. Like sure. They're talented, but none of them, I would say are elite talents. So the uh, Sens Shea, have a Shea chance Weber, here. Shea Weber, I guess. Shea Weber of today or Shea Weber of five years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're looking at a guy who only has seven points in 16 games for Shea Weber. That's not crazy. Actually the only minus player on this entire team, as I'm looking hmm. at their stats, a minus three for Shea Weber, nobody else below even. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. But hey, I'm not going to knock Shea Weber too much. For his age and the style that he plays, he's still pretty damn effective. So are we talking about price from five years ago or price from today? Here's another guy who's got an 893 save percentage. He played last night, though. What do you think the chances are that we see Jake Allen and his sparkling 933 save percentage in six games this year? Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I thought price was doing better. I think he had a hot start, but maybe has cooled off hopefully we see price here. That'd be great. And it's funny to say that, but yeah, Jake Allen, I think that was a really smart move by uh, Bergevin getting him because that's a guy that he wasn't quite the guy for a starting role, but he's, he's definitely a really, really good goaltender. So you get him in an 82 game schedule between 20 and 30 games, and he's going to put up good numbers for you, I think. So Jake Allen may be a threat here if he's up against the Sens tonight. Yeah, well, we'll find out sooner or later. We're recording at about 10 a.m. We're excited. We're going to have our Send Central citizen, Spencer Blake, who's a writer with Silver 7 Sends. He covers the Belleville Senators for them. So we'll get into a conversation surrounding their four-game series against the Laval Rocket. It ended on Friday night. Of course, no show yesterday. So we'll break down that game a little more with him as well. But let's go back in time a little bit. The first meeting between Montreal and Ottawa this season It was the Timmy Superstar Show. Three points for the young senator. And guess what? This is actually kind of sad. Stutzla in that game had a a beautiful assist on a power play goal. The senators have not scored a power play goal since that game. And now now we're going on eight games. This will be their ninth. Is it time tonight? Will the senators score a power play goal? (laughs) If we're looking at the numbers, I'm going to go with no, but uh, they they have to score a power play goal here soon. Like you, you cannot expect as a last place team up against these much more talented teams that you're going to win any games if you can't score on the man advantage. That So that is the number one goal here is get that power play clicking. Because I feel like if they can, there's, there's a big wall in front of them of this power play. If they can chip away and get that one goal, I think the dam's going to burst and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be clicking. They're going to be confident and they're going to be much more successful if they just get that first goal off their back here. Well, to your point, in the stretch before their power play goal streak diminished rapidly, they had five power play goals in five games. Wow, so you you're go. right. Once the dam burst, it was there. Of course, they had two in the game against Edmonton where, where Edmonton went four for five. So they still got doubled up on special teams there. By the way, McDavid continuing his dominance. Go check out that dude's highlight reel. Absolutely ridiculous. The Senators almost as ridiculous. Oh, for their last 20 
power play opportunities, Pilsy. So they're due. And that leads us perfectly into keys to victory. Special teams goes without saying that that is one. What else are you watching for tonight if the Senators are going to be victorious? Well, we talked about it. This is a Montreal team that's spread out. So normally our keys to focus would be like, you got to shut down Matthews. You got to shut down, you know, Shifley. You got to shut down Connor. You got to shut down when they visit the Flames. You got to look at Goudreau and Monaghan. But for the Habs, you have to make sure every time a line is going out there, you have to be aggressive in the forecheck and backcheck. Like these guys play a really good... uh, like all zone game the Canadians really they're not they're not poor defensively in the neutral zone they can hang so the Sens are going to have to be aggressive with each shift all four lines are going to have to roll with energy there's no there's no taking a shift off here because they're they're so good at playing a full complete game that if the Senators take any shifts off I think the momentum can swing quickly and then they're going to be in trouble trying to gain that back I produced the game at uh, TSN 1050 tonight Leafs and Habs and What I noticed from that game, it can go the other way with Montreal as well. Twice, Toronto scored two goals in less than a minute against them. Now, they quick struck as well. They scored two goals in 40 seconds. But if Ottawa gets one, that next shift, you have to be all steam ahead and try to push the pace, especially if Jake Allen is in net. I'll just run through Montreal's lines, and then I'll get your lookout player. Last night, they lined up. It was Philip Dano between Toffoli and Gallagher. Nick Suzuki between Drouet and Anderson. Kind of funny. Drouet, 11 assists, one goal. Anderson, nine goals, two assists. So playing the yin and yang style there with Nick Suzuki as the pivot. Their third line is Jesperi Kotkaniemi, a.k.a. not Brady Kachuk. Nice work there, Berger. Eh? Uh, with Tatar and Joel Armia. And their fourth line is Jake Evans of fame from that hit the last time these two teams met. You wonder if that will be uh, a storyline in tonight's game. Erica Branson laying that huge hit on Jake Evans in the third period against Ottawa. He's lined up with Arturi Lekkanen and Ottawa native and waiver wire man Paul Byron, who scored his first goal of the season last night. On defense, it's Ben Sherratt and Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie, and then Victor Mete with Alexander Romanov. Keep your head when that rookie's on the ice. Romanov laid a couple big hits in the series against Ottawa. Which one of those guys are you keying in on as a guy you need to shut down if you're Ottawa? Well, we talked about Shea Weber and that his production has gone down a little. You know whose production hasn't gone down? Jeff Petrie. This is a guy the Sens are going to have to watch. He scored a goal against them uh, in their previous series. Ross, there's only five games this season where Jeff Petrie hasn't had a point. Is that a guy that you think immediately offensive defenseman? No, like he's an all-round defenseman, but he's clicking offensively. And that slap shot, we got a good taste of that slap shot. People talk about the Weber bomb. They need to be talking about the, the Petrie... What's a, what's a P word I can use here? I don't got one, but uh, we'll brainstorm that one. But Petrie's slap shot is, is a real threat. And he's had a couple nights, even against Vancouver, he had a three-point night, two goals, one assist. He got two goals against Edmonton. Like, this guy is turning it on offensively. So he's going to be someone I'm going to be uh, locked on to for sure, looking out for, I should say. Yeah, six goals for Jeff Petrie on the back end. That's pretty impressive when, when you consider that he's not even getting – the most favorable matchups. He's a right-hand shot defenseman. But when you look at defensemen, Jeff Petrie, fifth in the National Hockey League among D-men in points behind Quinn Hughes, Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, and Morgan Riley. You wonder with the two Edmonton guys, how many of those apples are just giving the puck to Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, letting them do their thing. 
But Jeff Beach, you're just consistent this year as a plus 13 rating. But if you're going to attack this Leafs, this Habs decor, who are you locked on tonight? Is it Timmy Superstar once again after he had that unreal performance at the Bell Center? They're playing at home this time. So I guess my Joey Decord Saber metric is out the window since the game is in Ottawa tonight, where the Belleville Senators will play out of, but not until March 3rd or March 5th. It's it's a little ways away. Third. Um, we got a lot to be locked on before March 3rd. That's for sure, Pilsy. So for me, not only is it Tim Stutzla, but it's Josh Norris again because he keeps getting shifted up and down the lineup. Where is he going to really find a home? I liked him when most when he was playing with Brady Kachuk. I'm hopeful that that line is going to stay together, and I'm sensing a big night coming up from Josh Norris. Yep, I would love Norris to get going because, yeah, the like Norris, Batherson, and Stutzla, these guys have been creating offense uh, a whole bunch, and Stutzla is getting rewarded for it, and even Drake is getting rewarded for it too. So these guys are clicking, and they can have some some serious momentum going forward here. Points in back-to-back games for Drake Batherson now. Yep, had a boy, and he deserves that. He needed to work through that kind of little uh, slump he was in offensively, and now things are starting to click for him. Now, uh, speaking of offensive clicking for guys, my locked-on player is going to be Connor Brown. How about five points in his last six games, including three goals? Like, this guy is finally starting to find some twine with his chances. He had some really good shots, and both... Both his goals recently against Toronto were nice shots. Like one was top shelf. The other was a one-timer on the far side that he buried. Connor Brown is looking good. And this is a guy that we talked about going up against a Montreal team that you're going to have to forecheck, backcheck well. He plays a good 200-foot game. So I'm going to be relying on him to every time he hops over the boards to be playing a responsible game and to capitalize on those chances that he's starting to get. His career against Montreal, not... Maybe ideal, but maybe he's just due. Three goals, no assists in 18 games against Montreal in his career. But you know what they say, to turn it around, you just need to get one. Speaking of playing against Montreal, talk about burying the lead, Pilsy. We haven't talked about Thomas Shabbat and the unknown status after he missed Thursday's game against Toronto with an undisclosed injury. Now, there's a, a grainy photo from the press box, but stick taps to TSN 1200 for getting this out. He was on the ice after practice, but he forgot to put his skates on. I <laughs> doubt, doubtfully forgot, but he was just out there stick handling a little bit. However, breaking news, he is on the ice for the morning skate. Will Thomas Shabbat play tonight? That is the big question, and it really impacts the game in its most, in its highest degree as the team leader in time on ice. So that's a story that we're going to keep tabs on here throughout the day. You can follow us on Twitter at send central for up to the minute action, live tweeting the games. We've got our send central standouts and interact with us. Who's your locked on player in tonight's game. And you can bet that we'll see it. But then when the game comes, we're going to be betting on the Ottawa senders. Why wouldn't we bet with your heart, not with your brain, or is it backwards? I like the former of the two situations. And when I do, I go to betonline.ag because it's the only place that has you covered. The one place that we trust, it's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account. Just open your internet browser, go to betonline.ag, and when you make your first deposit, put in the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. That's put in $150, bingo, bango, bongo, right in your account, put in 200 Add 100. Math guy over here at Bet Online. 
Pillsy's.ag. And it doesn't take a mathematician to understand that Pillsy's parlay of the day is here to make you money. So you have this extra free play money. You have to use it to make it into your uh, withdrawable funds. So why not play along with Pillsy's parlay of the day? Or like I gave you a little inside action, why not split his parlay? Because he never misses on both. So that's how to hedge your bets at betonline.ag. Pillsy, it's a Sunday. Everyone's at home feeling good. Who do you have in tonight's parlay? Well, I I wanted to include this Sens-Habs game, but there's just too many question marks. And look, the my last parlay of the day, I said the Flames were going to win strictly because of Markstrom. Well, David Riddick ended up playing that game and they lost the game. So nice work. you got to Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. I'm doing these without knowing the starting goalie since we're recording early in the morning so we can get this episode out to you guys. But I'm going to avoid the Sens game. I don't know if Shabbat's uh, playing. I don't know who the goalies are going to be for either team. So we're going to hold off on that for now. Everyone was dialed into the outdoor game yesterday. And sure, the Sun didn't play, uh, didn't give the, any favors to the NHL as they had to do delays and all this. But I really think that the backdrop there was incredible, eh, though? Like the scenic the shots. Day. Oh, it was beautiful. But so- the ice looked a lot better at night. That game took 10 hours and 37 <laughs> minutes to complete. Mark Stone's penalty? Lasted eight hours and eight minutes. <laughs> Man, that's a guy that spends uh, doesn't spend that much time in the box usually. That's one hell of a time in the they box. They should have made him stay in the box the whole time. How funny would that have been? Yeah, that would have been great. They could have had some good ad opportunities there too, like Uber Eats comes with uh, with his uh, meal yeah. or something like that. Um, but sticking with betonline.ag here, I'm going to be locked in to this outdoor game while the Sens and Habs are in intermissions and stuff. I'm going to be checking it out. Philadelphia Flyers up against the Boston Bruins. I'm taking the Bruins money line. That's been favorable for me in the past. Uh, I think most of the Pilsies parlays that have hit have included Bruins money line. So we're hitting that at minus 170. And then staying on this game, we're going to hit the over at five and a half. I really think the the outdoor ice is going to provide a lot of opportunities for mistakes to be made and uh, guys not used to the weird style of ice in the outdoor game. So we're hitting the over at five and a half at plus 118. Put 10 bucks into that to win 24.62. So Pilsy's parlay of the day, Bruins money line, and the over in that game at five and a half. Well, let's keep in mind why it's minus 170 for the Bruins. The Flyers are without six regulars in this game on the COVID list, key including players. Claude Giroux and Jacob Voracek. So don't sit on the sidelines like those guys. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy, still lots more to get into, including the Belleville Senators and the Nodak Sens, the University of North Dakota, with some huge hardware. Maybe the second best trophy in sports. I'm going to go that far. This thing is enormous. We'll tell you all that after we chat with Spencer Blake. So here, without further ado, is our Sens Central Citizen of the Week. All right, we're now pleased to welcome this week's Send Central Citizen. It's Spencer Blake. You can follow him on Twitter at Spencer DJ Blake. Spencer, first question, man. Are you a DJ on the side? What's going on with the Twitter name? <laughs> I get that all the time. Uh, no, I, those are just my middle initials. And somebody owns uh, or has had Spencer at Spencer Blake on Twitter since I joined Twitter and has never posted a thing. And I am still mad about it. So I have to put the initials in there. 
Same with me. I'm Brandon Pillar One, and I found Brandon Pillar, and their last tweets were like 2016, and it was like, here's a, a Sean Paul music video or something <laughs> absolutely ridiculous like that. And I'm like, I got to put the one on so this guy can be posting his, uh, his R&B videos three years ago. Come on. Pills, well, first, he should have DJ in his name, but didn't you yeah. offer him some money for that, or was that Instagram? Sorry, going way off topic already. No, that was a whole different saga. I, I, I really, I would love to get the clean Brandon Pillar name, but now I'm just, I'm so famously known as Brandon Pillar One. Yeah. We'll just throw everyone <laughs> off, you know, so I'm not going to bother. Half as famous as Spencer. He covers the Belleville Sens for Silver <laughs> 7 Sens, but you're also outside of Ottawa, right? How'd you become an Ottawa Senators fan? Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Waterloo. Uh, I live in Kitchener now, which is pretty much the same place. Um, but I lived in Ottawa as a really young kid. It was probably four or five when we left, probably four when we left. Um, so I had a little bit of the Ottawa connection. But when I came to Waterloo, one of my best friends growing up uh, that I played hockey with was a, was a Senators fan. And I think I you know recognized the logo and I was like, hey, I know them. I used to live there. And so that's kind of how I started. And then all my friends became Leafs fans. And uh, I kind of like being the, the only one that's not a Leafs fan because uh, we get to, you know, grind each other's gears about lots of stuff. So it's, it's pretty fun that way. Yeah, not being a Leafs fan is a great feeling. I can't, <laughs> uh, I can't describe how. It doesn't matter what uh, sport you like or anything, but not a Leafs fan is a great title to have. Now, Spencer, so what, uh, who were the guys on the team when you really started getting into this uh, Sens fandom? Like, who are the guys that hold that special spot in your heart? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the usuals, I think, you know, the the Alfredsons and the Spetses and the Heatleys, but um I was a really big Havlat fan when he was when he was on the team. I was a huge fan there. And then minus a couple playoff experiences, I I was a big Little Leem fan for a while. Uh I used to think I wanted to be a goalie when I was really young, so I was a, you know, I was a big Patrick Waugh fan, Hashik. I loved all the the top goalies, so I I had a special place for Little Leem as well, but I feel like he was ahead of his time and maybe it didn't stick, so I don't know if you can even say that. But having the the pattern stick, remember he had the Martian oh, yeah. eyes also on the stick as the helmet. Awesome. I I had that growing up for sure. That was a, an awesome piece. I was always a Yanni Urme guy for some reason. I have no idea why, <laughs> but he was one of many Lalim's backups as one of the most tenured tendies. But you bring up goalies. We're a goalie-friendly show, and we mentioned you cover Belleville. So I want to dive into that before I do have one more look-back question. But let's look at Belleville. They started four games, five goals against in three of them. But you mentioned one of the attendees was a bright spot, and it happened, no surprise, to be the goalie who didn't let in five. And he was the <laughs> guy who we weren't so high on last year. What would you see from Philly franchise that might regain traction on that nickname? Yeah, I I really liked watching his – he played the, the third game against Laval. And uh, he was just – he looked more confident and more uh, relaxed, I think. Uh, than than he has in the past. And I think part of that's because he played you know 19 games in in Sweden beforehand, while you know Decord and uh, Mandelizzi were were hanging out you know in Ottawa doing some practicing there and that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I think that he kind of came in a bit mid season form, really. Uh, you know he'd been playing competitive hockey already. Um, but I think the big thing that really helped was he made the important saves, but he also made the little ones. Um, you know he he caught he you know gobbled up the rebounds he didn't kick anything out to anybody um i also do think belleville played better in their own end that game as well which definitely helps uh they hung uh decord and mandalizzi out to dry a couple times uh in the other games but you know I, I think his confidence was was just there you could see that he'd been playing hockey at high level uh for longer than these other guys 
Yeah, and I mean, geez, Gus had a hard start too. Uh, that first period, they were outshot fourteen to three, and yeah. uh, they managed to hang on to the win. So, a good game for Gus there. Now, the Belleville is going to be a little bit of a goalie carousel uh, here, with especially with some injury problems now with Marcus Hogberg. How do you kind of see the timeshare being split with that Belleville crease? Like, who do you think is going to get a majority of those starts? And could we see maybe some shuffling in the hierarchy of the goalie prospects down there? Yeah, I think the answer to your second question is absolutely. We'll see a shuffle. Mostly because I think right now what we're going to see is Decord's going to be the guy who's going to come up and back up and maybe get some NHL you know, playing time um, for a little bit based on his larger book of of performance over the past year or so. Um, he was the go-to guy in Belleville last year. He made, you know, he kept them in a number of games, uh, whereas Gustafson was good but not great last year. Uh, but I would be willing to bet if things continue to go as they have been, that you might see that flip uh, halfway through, you know, once once Gustafson's, you know, shown that he can play at the level he played in, in game three of that Laval series more often. Uh, if Decord continues to let in five goals a game, then we're going to see that shuffle. Uh, now, that being said, I don't think that the five goals that Decor led in each game were all his fault. Uh, there was a number of other factors there. But um, I'd be saying for the next little while, you're going to see Decor as the guy who's flipped up to the NHL and the taxi squad. But if Gust keeps playing the way he's playing, then he'll be that guy soon. Hope you guys are enjoying our chat with Send Central Citizen of the Week, Spencer Blake, today. But we got to interrupt for a quick message from our good pals at Built Bar. The one way to keep going in these tough times, you got to be fueled by Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors. You're going to love every single one, but they break it up into categories. You got eight chocolate with nut flavors. And then for those with maybe some nut allergies or you just prefer no nuts, eight chocolate nut-free flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, guys. Soft easy to chew, the texture you know and love. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. I cannot highlight that enough, guys. These bars are incredible tasting. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Pillsy's pick of the day. I'm going with a classic, the peanut butter brownie. You get your peanut butter and chocolate mixed in there, and then who doesn't like a little extra brownie flavor on top? I know I do. I know Ross does. And I'm quite certain you guys are going to love it too. But don't just take my word for it. Try it yourself. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. See if you believe it. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked on and you'll get 20% off your first order. They want to give you a discount on your first one because then they know you're going to be hooked. You're going to love these. You're going to have to get a mixed box later. So go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on for 20% off your first order. Now back to our chat with Spencer Blake. Gus feels like he's been in the organization forever. Like the first piece <laughs> of the rebuild, right? The Derek Broussard trade. And uh, I mean, ultimately you get Jacob Bernard Docker in that trade too. So it looks pretty good either way. However, Gustafson develops, but it's awesome to, to see him doing well, maybe getting a chance sooner than later with the big club. But there are also parallels between the big club and the baby sends. <laughs> and that's a lack of performance on special teams. 8.3% through four games. How can they right the ship on that? We talk a lot about Ottawa and just need to get more pucks on net, create chaos in front of the crease. What did you notice that Belleville wasn't doing 
that's kind of held them back from contributing on the power play. Yeah, there's there's two things there. One genuine lack of players that are good on the power play. Uh, you know, when you see no more Josh Norris one timers automatic no, goals. No, exactly. No more Josh Norris one timers. You know, Logan Brown got hurt. Uh, Drake Batherson balsers you know you're you're missing a lot of guys who contributed a lot on the power play last year um which is which is definitely difficult to you know impact but for me the Belleville power play spent a lot of time around the perimeter uh trying to set up the one-timers trying to do this trying to do that but all from the outside I think that this is I don't think this is a team that has enough players at the moment who can shoot that well you know Lassie Thompson's Slapshot is, as advertised, very good. But outside of him, I'm not sure how many players can really you know, do that Josh Norris one-timer that worked so well last year. So um, I think they got to change that strategy. I think they have to do, be more of a you know, chip it in and crash and bang and you know, battle for pucks around the crease rather than trying to get the pretty one-timer or, or do the you know, cross, cross slot pass to the back door because it's, it's not working. They don't have, the at the moment anyways, the personnel to make that happen. Yeah, and that's tough. And a uh, question I usually like to ask Send Central citizens is, if you were DJ Smith, what would you do in a, in a kind of right now move to get this roster going? So I'll, I'll flip it, a Belleville version. If you were Troy Mann, what would you do to try to get this team uh, firing on all cylinders again? Mind you, he's in a tough spot, like you said, a lot of graduated players, a lot of injuries. But is there something you can think of that he could kind of tinker with to try to get some more success here? Yeah, for sure. Um, for the most part, it's it's tough because he's he does some of the things that I would you know if I'm answering the question about DJ Smith, I would do. But man, does those things you know Ridley Gregg has been the first line center for three of well two and a half of four games. You know he's already trusted to do all the things that a top line center should be trusted to do because he's played well, right? So you know man has never been afraid to put the the kids as long as they're playing well uh, to give them opportunities and extended looks in important positions. So that's not a big worry for me, but for me, what hasn't been happening is, you know, performance in, in their own end, specifically on the defense pairings, you know, Aspero and, uh, and Goloba for their, are their top two defenders right now. And, you know, they, they were fine, but you'd expect more from two guys with that much AHL experience. So I might split them up, uh, you know, maybe throw Lassie Thompson up with Aspero and put Golubuff with, uh, with Allsing or, or something like that, or, or Labry just to, to kind of see, see a different pairing. Cause they went with pretty much the same pairs for the first four games and it didn't really work. So, uh, and I've loved Thompson's game so far. So I'd, I'd love to see him get, get more minutes and be more important. It's kind of strange when, when people are talking, but to your point, it seems like it's the truth that his game fits the North American size rink better. Do you have a, a theory of why that could be? <laughs> I don't really. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I wish I had a theory. Um, I-, I think that, you know, with, with the amount of ice you need to cover in Europe, uh, you know, maybe his game's not, maybe his game's a little, a little chippier uh, and a little quicker than what you see kind of slowed down a little bit because of the space you have in Europe. I, th- I think that Thompson played really well in WGL and then went and just flopped in Finland. Right. And, and now he's back and, it's only four games. There's plenty of time left for, for him to, you know, reverse back to what people think he is anyways, or think he was in Finland. But uh, I don't really have a theory other than maybe it's just the, you know, maybe he reacts well not having that much time and space. 
all we're hoping is that uh, the performance that he had in Finland does not carry over here because that was a tough start, especially on a team that had some firepower in Eels and they could have done some damage if uh, he got in there. Now, I want to ask you, let's let's kind of shift to in between Belleville and NHL. Who do you think is going to be the first player called up from Belleville to play in the NHL? And do you think there's going to be a scenario where guys are called up quickly for a couple spot starts with the big breaks in between Belleville's games? Or do you think it's the management's kind of thinking once we call a guy up, like, I don't know, Alex Formanton, he's going to stay there. We're not going to be flipping him up and down. What's kind of your theory on how the call-ups are going to work here? I think that the, the call-ups are going to work in spot starts unless the player gives them a reason not to, right. Uh, to, to send them back down. You know, the answer to the initial question is if there's a forward spot open, it's gotta be Alex Formington. Uh, I don't see any other any other option really. Not to you know speak ill of you know Abramov. I'm a big fan of his, um, and there's a couple other players. I think even Logan Shaw has played really well so far, and uh, because he's got some experience, maybe he's bumped up the list on on call-ups for forwards. But I don't know how you look at what Alex Formanton does even away from the puck. You know his his speed on the penalty kill, his ability to to put pressure on guys and make sure that they don't you know have a chance to make that play. Um, you know that's valuable enough. Not even talking about his you know any type of offense that he could provide. But if he could come to, to Ottawa and play on the penalty kill, um, I think that he would be very valuable in that spot. If it's a defender, I would love to say, you know, the Lassie Thompson would get a shot, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're more likely to to bring up an Aspero, maybe even give Ole Alsing a, a shot because he does have pro experience. But I would love to see Lassie Thompson in Ottawa at some point this year. But I do think that long-term he should probably be in Belleville for at least another season. Yeah, I agree with you on Alex Formanton. Just screams NHL ready. And this guy who made the team as an 18-year-old and then again as a 19-year-old, but now he's 21. And last year didn't really get a sniff at the top level. So his speed is always that game-breaking thing that doesn't matter whether you're on the fourth line or the first line. He can utilize that on the forecheck. and plays a really chippy game too. I don't think he gets enough credit for how much he likes to mix it up. Ridley Gregg kind of has that same template about him. He's in an interesting spot, though, because on March 7th, he has to go back to the WHL unless the Senators call him up. Would you like to see him practice with the Sens? Whether he gets into a game or not, that could be seen. But do you think it would benefit him to have the Formanton treatment of just being around the NHL team for a week or two before going back to junior? Absolutely. I think that would be a, a great idea. Um, I'm not sure he'll get into games, but I think that that's fine. Uh, the interesting thing about this year is, as far as I know, you know, the, the B-Sens are in Ottawa, yeah. right? And so, and, and I don't think that that's going to change, right? So the nice thing is that we don't necessarily know this, but I have a hunch that Greg's probably already doing some fitness training and practicing around some of the NHL players, or at least seeing it from afar, right? But I definitely think that, you know, having practice time, uh, any type of experience with Ottawa would be nothing but beneficial before he heads back to w- WHL. Uh, I, I think that if he plays the way he's played in Belleville for four games in WHL, we're going to see some pretty awesome stuff from him. He's been very impressive all over the ice. Yeah, I agree. And and this is a blessing too, because I feel like a lot of people, and uh, I think I'm probably guilty of this as, as well, kind of tossed Ridley Gregg aside. You're just so focused on Sanderson and Stutzla. Like, he's the third player selected in the first round. He's still a first rounder, so he's still got a lot to prove and show here. So it's great that he's getting a chance to showcase that front and center in Belleville. Now, last, last question for me here, Spencer. Ross and I, 
admittedly had the rose-colored glasses on when we did our season preview for Belleville, saying they're going to go all the way. They're going to finish uh, unfinished business from last season. But we got uh, alarmed pretty quickly that this reality is not... Reality check. Yeah, reality <laughs> check pretty quickly that this is not our last season Senators. What are your expectations for the Belleville Senators this season now that you've got a taste of uh, the first four games of the season here? That's a good question. I was kind of, I was similar. I had a little bit more of a realistic expectation, but I think that uh, even my expectation wasn't <laughs> fully accurate. It was a little bit rose colored as well. Um, I think, I think we can still expect, uh, you know, a push for a playoff spot with this team. I, I do think that they've got, you know, pending uh, who gets called up and what happens in, in Ottawa. I think that they've got enough players that they could be, you know, a, a fringe uh, playoff team or maybe just miss by a bit but I don't think a deep playoff run is is in the cards anymore unfortunately for this team you know we really missed out on something special last year and you know four of their top six players are now gone uh, and not necessarily they're either replaced by less capable players offensively or they're replaced by rookies who you know obviously need time to transition to the to the professional game so I'm going with fringe playoff team down to the wire I'm not ready to call that they're going to make the playoffs, though. I think it's okay. going to be close. But I'm not yeah, ready to call that. It's a tough division. It's a division where Laval and Toronto are cool with spending a lot of money on their AHL team. They, cl- yeah. they usually have like those 25 to 28-year-old guys who, who can still contribute at that level. So with, with Belva, I think, yeah, as long as you're seeing production from the younger players, then you can still call it a successful season. But it just sucks, man. The pandemic wiped out that playoff potential from last year. How about that article when they're like Brady asked if he could go down and play? That would have been absolutely bananas. That building would have been that would have been sold out in seconds. Yep. Those tickets. Like that would have just, that would have been worth the revenue alone for Belleville. No doubt. And uh, I want to finish up. I mentioned I wanted to go back into the history books a little bit and it's great to lead off of that from Brady Kachuk and playoffs, but if you can pick one playoff series in Ottawa Senators history to just relive over and over again, which one would it be? Now, ones that come to mind right away, the Rangers series with the Pajot four-goal game, the Montreal series in 2013, the five games, the blowouts, the fights, uh, and then 2007, all those series had their (laughs) their own little stamp on it as well. Which one stands out most to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I'm having a bit of recency bias because the – the one that's standing out to me most is the Bruins Sens uh, series. That's mine too. Uh, yeah, 2017, he, where yep. Clark MacArthur scored the, the that goal, and everyone was just fired up because Clark was back, and it was awesome. Yeah, uh, well, also, too, he, I, he got that first one, and then he won the whole series in Game yeah, Six. Yeah, and it, it, like that that for me was such a memorable thing because. You know, I think I'm I'm known as not necessarily being the most optimistic uh, Senators fan. I think is my a bit of my brand, uh, <laughs> and I was pretty sure that that Boston was just going to roll like steamroll Ottawa. So DJ in and your Twitter name doesn't mean you're just the biggest DJ Smith fan ever. No, no, it, it would surprise <laughs> you to know that uh, that's not the case. <laughs> but uh, when you are looking back, also that series, maybe the best goal in Sense history, Carlson to Hoffman. Oh yeah, oh that yeah, gotta the, be. The, the saucer from like 150 foot saucer right on his tape. Straddling how, the how blue can you pick line? anything else? Yeah, it was Ridiculous. amazing. Nobody even talks about that goal. A Hoffman goal on the breakaway, and he does the Forsberg move. And the best part of the play is the pass. Yeah, that is insane. 
<laughs> Ridiculous. That's all. Well, hopefully there's more memories like this to come as the rebuild really hits into high gear next year. Unparalleled success, or so I've been told. We'll uh, keep the optimism right in the middle between Spencer and I, but you're always a great follow on Twitter, at Spencer DJ Blake. And as the BSEN season rolls on, we'd love to do this again. So thanks for joining us today, and hopefully we'll do it again down the road. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a, a pleasure being part of the podcast today. Stick taps to Spencer for joining us on today's show. You can follow him on Twitter at Spencer DJ Blake on Twitter. And then make sure while you're on the internet, go over to the Locked On Senders podcast, wherever you get yours. Make sure to subscribe and always appreciate reviews as well. We read those and uh, always appreciate feedback there. They do go further than you might think as well. And I mentioned too, you can follow us as well at Send Central on Twitter. Pilsy, the Nodak Sends are a complete wagon have a weekend they go into the set with omaha by the way there's going to be some bad blood next weekend they play two more against omaha to finish out their schedule penalties galore with a minute left in this game lots of roughing lots of fighting you know the k train was right in that but he was also all over the score sheet the first game was a 4-1 win on friday night then saturday a 7-1 victory have a pair 11-2 the final score on aggregate and Pilsy, the Nodak sends were all over the score sheet. Oh yeah. These guys were, they had their hands in everything. Like just Pinto goal and assist JBD, two goals, two assists, a massive weekend for JBD. Clevin. We already talked about it. Two goals. Is he an offensive defenseman? I'm not sure. Yep. Sanderson three assists as well. And, but Ross, we got to get to the K train. How about that? Send central bump. And, what a big J journalist question from Ross Levitan. Are you working on your offense? Yeah, I'm trying to work on it. Well, he proved it there with two highlight real goals. And before the show, Ross, we were arguing which goal was better. I did <laughs> not think we were going to have arguments about which Tyler Clevin goals were better this season from the, the scouting reports we received from him. But for my money, it's that slap shot. I, like that was such, he got so much onto that and I don't know about you, Ross, but his release was a little bit awkward, but I think it it helped his power. Like he really, he threw so much weight into that, that it knocked him off balance and it ringed off the bar and in like, that's one of the most beautiful things you can see from a big, mean defenseman, a big, mean, hard slap shot. Yeah, we were we talked to his dad about how he's an outdoors guy. I wonder if he's a golfer too, because that was just teed up and he put it down the middle, straight away striped right past the tendy. That was his fourth goal of the year. But last night, Pilsy, it was the awareness as the play was, you know, scrambled a little bit and Johnny Tyconic was trying to poke the puck away from Jasper Weatherby. Weatherby turns around and his offensive instincts kick in. Where is Clevin getting open? He gets the puck, corrals it, and rips a wrister, top cheese. But that wasn't the best part. It was that he then looks up into the crowd and they do have fans at North Dakota at the Ralph looks up, twirls his stick, puts it into the holster, and then go puts the arms out like, all right, I'm sick, and then hits the glass. That was just all confidence, maybe even cocky, and that's what I want my 6'5 defenseman putting up on the offensive side of the puck. Five goals, Pilsy. He hasn't scored more than three since he was in high school, and that's before two years at the U.S. program. This kid is just taking off his Senator Stocks, as our boy Laleem's Martian likes to say, to the moon.
Oh yeah, the the Clavin, the K train, the tracks are headed right up to the moon. All aboard! Choo choo! And hey, how about his dad too, telling us when he was a kid he used to shoot a thousand pucks a day, a thousand. Like try to try to compre- comprehend how long it would take to get a thousand shots in every day, and clearly it's working with that beauty wrist shot and the beauty slap shot. How about Tyler telling us not much else to do in Fargo, but if you missed any any of our chat with Tyler, make sure you go back and check that out from Monday's Locked On Senators. Lots of good stuff. And the Penrose Cup goes to the regular season champions of the NCHC conference. So now that's being hoisted by the North Dakota fighting Senators and Pillsy. year in a row. That trophy is mammoth. That is one epic trophy like the Penrose cup that's right up there with some of the most beautiful trophies and how about und too uh, we'll just clean this up with two games left in the regular season nah we already clinched the top spot it's it's lonely at the top but they're gonna get some company when the frozen uh face-off starts at und march 12th yeah so that's kind of a full reset so put the put the standings out the window Penrose cup you've already won that now it's time for the nchc playoffs and then Three weeks later, the NCAA tournament as well. We'll be with you every step of that way. And we've already discussed this aplenty, and we're going to even further. The final of the NCAA, the last day the Nodak Sens can play a game is April 10th. The NHL trade deadline, April 12th. Now, we know there's a 14-day quarantine. Pieces are going to have to be moved around from there. But they could play either in Ottawa or if they sign pro, play in Belleville. Now the Belleville Senators finished up their four game set. We mentioned there's 11 days now between games, but tough way to end it, man. They've, they've let in five goals in three of their four games against Laval. Is that playing against a really good team? Is that losing these top end players and not only the ones that graduated, but in the finale of this series and sorry, the last two games of this series, no Philip Schlappick or Logan Brown as well. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Like those, that's basically your top two centers, right? Like Ridley Gregg, a guy who's supposed to be in the WHL is playing top line center minutes for the Belleville centers. So that's a major struggle for them. And this is certainly not how we hoped the season would start up against Laval Ross. You and I are used to the Belleville senators absolutely clobbering this Laval team. Like it, it was embarrassing at times. Like it was like the, that Simpsons meme, like stop, they're already dead. Like they're already done. Like don't score any more goals. But that was not the case this time. But hey, some positive news. Mark Kaslick gets a goal and on all three of the points on that goal, Kasselik, that's his first goal. Reinhardt gets an assist. And our boy, Igor Sokolov, gets the assist as well. And, of course, what does he do? First thing, scoops up the puck for his buddy to hold on to. Just a classy move by Igor there. And, hey, I thought that line played really well. And talk about a tough line to play against. Those are some three bruisers on that line. Yeah, certainly they have size, and if they can keep putting the puck in the net, they'll show they're a lot more than just physical. How about the play that that Sokolov made to pressure the Laval defenseman in the corner? He heard the footsteps coming, and next thing you know, the puck bounces out into the slot. A terrible pass, but still pressured by Igor. That was on a different play. The only other goal that uh, Belleville scored in the game. So you look at Igor, a nice little game. He's been moving up and down the lineup. So 
we'll see him as he gets more and more comfortable with the Belleville Senators. We mentioned 11 days now until Belleville plays their home opener in Ottawa. We'll be on with you the rest of the way through Belleville season, the number one home for the Belleville and Ottawa Senators. Lots of hockey ahead for Ottawa, though. They're starting a set where they play three games against Montreal in the next eight and five, five against the Calgary Flames, who just got absolutely dominated by McDavid and company. Sound familiar? Yeah, maybe. But the Flames going through a rough patch of their own. Maybe Ottawa building some momentum against Montreal. And then we go all out against the Flames. So stay tuned for all that. We'll be back tomorrow. We've got a great chat. I want to say it was a fun chat, but it was under... Sorry, circumstances, because the Brampton Beast uh, folded this past week. Of course, that affects Ottawa as they were the farm team for the Sens. But Pillsy was great to chat with their play-by-play voice, Anthony Fusco. Yeah, yeah, great to have Anthony Fusco on. Uh, him and I go back a couple of years. He was my connection to get an interview with Marcus Hogberg when he was there. I uh, went to a couple games with the Beast. I uh, got to kind of act like a little scout. I was making my notes on the prospects and uh, got to go to a couple media events and stuff like that. So all, all in all, tough to see a great guy like Anthony Fusco uh, kind of lose his opportunity with the beast there. But he's a guy, he's going to jump back on his feet when uh, things get going here. I'm confident of that. And just so tough to see the Brampton Beast uh, organization fold because that was a team that was really starting to to get a foothold in that community and really started to embrace that and big part of the Ottawa Center's development core too. So tough to see that happen and uh, wishing all the best for all the people that lost their jobs there for sure. Well said, Pillsy. More on that tomorrow. Stay tuned for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.